Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hey guys, welcome to this week's second episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. We thought we'd surprise y'all with a second episode because we just love y'all so much. Well, it's actually not a surprise because two days or three days back when we were live, we committed that we are going to go live over the weekend. Happy weekend listening, guys. So in this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast, Mithila and I are going to discuss success metrics for every driver in 2019 literally in one or two lines what would success look like for every driver this season that's so corporate of us kunal success metrics <laughs> we're also going to look at the australian grand prix coming up soon the strategies the statistics everything you all should look forward to and uh, you know especially we have the moments in time section with lucian one of our favorite formula 1 fans so guys please stay tuned to that that's really interesting to know right so to keep things fair and to keep any favoritism at bay we are going to discuss drivers in the order their teams finished in the constructors championship last year great kunal right. it's just so exciting to think that you know in hours from now 20 of the world's most talented drivers are just going to be out there racing hopefully racing wheel to wheel and just putting on this amazing spectacle for all of us to watch yes and the reason we decided to do it on saturday was because we wanted to see what the first form of the season looks like and then before the race talk about the the form factor that drivers need to carry in throughout the season let's remember the races are going to be on all the way till december so you know the performance in australia is not necessarily going to define the performance of a driver or the team all the way through the season unless of course you are williams okay kunal so let's start at the front of the grid with our last year's world champion lewis hamilton he'll be gunning for his sixth title this season and kunal that will really just put him within arms reach of a you know a record equaling seventh world title so i think that's going to be his uh, success metric for sure this season yeah i mean it's tough to disagree with what lewis hamilton really needs to do he is a legend he cemented his legendary status now it's just about building further on his legacy basically how much more legendary can he get <laughs> yes and it's going to be interesting to see how ferrari are able to fight and how the vettel hamilton legendary rivalry gears up so talking about valtteri bottas he has started the season by saying he wants to beat everyone and i must say i was impressed with him in qualifying in australia because uh you know he he actually put lewis under pressure in my view valtteri would just be happy putting lewis under pressure all the way through the season which would then hope that he gets a contract extension for next year because i personally don't think he's going to be challenging for the title 
Great speaking of drivers who are putting Lewis Hamilton under pressure or actually wish to, Sebastian Vettel. Uh, Kunal Vettel has played the role of a challenger on the grid to Lewis Hamilton. Uh, you know, he's been playing that role pretty well, but I think this is the season where he'd want to be the champion and not the challenger for once. And of course, tides are changing within Ferrari. He has a lot on the line to prove this season. Yes, his fifth season with Ferrari and he's out for his fifth world title Anything less than a world title will seem like a failure, given how Ferrari and Vettel have come oh so close, literally for the last two seasons. And interestingly, how the Vettel-Leclerc relationship and rivalry is going to develop over the course of the season, which brings me to the next driver, which is Charles Leclerc. Okay, he has been the prodigy in 2018. Like I said before, and I got a lot of brickbats for it, but I still stick my head out for that. Leclerc has been more successful as a rookie than Max Verstappen was. Okay, I'm eager to see what Charles Leclerc can do in a Ferrari this season. I think we're all going to be watching Leclerc and like really hoping he does well simply uh, because, you know, so much of the future of Formula One and just, you know, the excitement at the front of the grid is linked to uh, the so-called number two drivers also being competitive. Max Verstappen, Kunal, we have to speak about Max Verstappen because this is literally his first season where he is the undisputed number one driver in the team. We've known it for a while, but this season it's out there. And I think this season is about Max Verstappen really pulling his team forward, uh, challenging at the front far more often than he did last season. And also not making those, you know, rookie mistakes because he's been in Formula One way too long to be making those kind of mistakes anymore. I think we need to reclassify the term rookie mistakes in, you know, Max Verstappen's case. We need to call it Verstappen-like mistakes. Okay, so, but uh, can he, you know, get Red Bull onto the podium? That would be the key question. Can he convert some podiums to race wins? We know he's capable of doing that. And let's remember, he's actually in a very corporate situation, you know, where suddenly there's this blue-eyed boy of the boss, young chap, promoted over a guy who's actually senior to him in age. That's the position Pierre Gasly is in. I'm eager to see how Pierre Gasly actually, uh, you know, uh, performs and nurtures or is nurtured by Red Bull Racing in this whole, oh, Max Verstappen is probably the, you know, the best contender for the youngest ever world champion atmosphere. Because we've seen... Helmut Marco already put a lot of pressure on Pierre Gasly. I'm eager to see how Gasly, you know, sort of absorbs all of that and then excels anyway. Nico Hulkenberg. So, uh, changes within Renault with the arrival of his super talented new teammate, Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, Kunal, we've talked about how Nico Hulkenberg has been, you know, uh, looking for that elusive first podium. And I really hope that 2019 is the season that he can finally make it happen. And, uh, you know, Ricardo is also a very interesting benchmark because we know that Hulkenberg is a highly rated driver. He's had, he was the winner of Formula 1.5, as we like to call it, last season. And really seeing how these two drivers stack up against each other will uh, define a lot about what people think about both Ricardo and uh, Hulkenberg. I would actually choose benchmark over podium if I was Nico Hulkenberg because we know Daniel Ricardo is a very celebrated driver. Like in the first half of last season, he was a driver's championship contender. If Hulkenberg is able to match and in fact even beat Ricardo, it is going to redefine his position, his his, uh, stature in the Formula 1 paddock. I mean, it's Daniel Ricardo that he'll be up against. And, you know, I've always had this soft corner for Nico Hulkenberg. But moving on, 
Nico Hulkenberg's best rival, Kevin Magnussen, the Dane. What do you think he's going to be able to do? I really hope he uh, has a good season as well, Kunal, because uh, we met him. Uh, guys, we had the opportunity to interview him last season. He was on our show. He was on our show. And, you know, the one thing that really stood out from what he said was his need for stability. And this is actually his third season at Haas. So he's had plenty of time to really lay down his roots. He had a good first half of the season last year and partially because he just looked so good in comparison to his very uh, erratically performing teammate, Romain Groshaw. Uh, but yeah, I think he's also going to be hoping to make a visit to the podium this season, for that, sure. That would be epic if he's able to get Haas's first podium. It's going to be outstanding. It'll literally be a return to the podium for Kevin Magnussen. I remember in Australia in 2014 when he made his debut with McLaren, he was on the podium ahead of Jensen Button. And talking of Roman Groshaw, I really hope Groshaw is just not looking at yet another contract extension. I I think if, you know, going by what form he showed last season in the second half, of course, only in the second half, where, uh, you know, he was able to outscore Kevin Magnussen. If he follows the same form this season, I think Haas has a very strong and I would say underrated driver pairing because you know we all say how Hulkenberg Ricardo are the, the best driver pairing that you know a midfield team could have but so can be Magnussen and Roman Croshaw which brings me to the most exciting talent of this grade you know the guy who could take on the mantle of being the rookie of the year from Max Verstappen of the last few years and Charles Leclerc from last year Lando Norris yeah, you know, uh, Lando Norris, he of course finished second in the Formula 2 championship last year. Uh, and I think a lot of people have been watching him for a while. Uh, the fact is that he comes onto the grid, he enters McLaren at a very interesting point in the team's history because they have just lost Fernando Alonso, the Fernando Alonso Kunal, who we know has been not just a driver, but he's really been uh, everything to the team for the last few seasons. Yeah, the last I heard, he also participated in a pit stop and he was the, the <laughs> rear gun man or something. Yeah, so basically... So, so in at McLaren, there's Lando who's come in place of Nando and that's probably a good thing because it's good to have young drivers. And I would love to see how Norris would go against Carlos Sainz Jr. Yeah, I think if uh, the, the form in qualifying was anything to go by, Lando Norris is a seriously hot rookie that we have uh, on the grid. Sergio Perez. Uh, Kunal, you know, he's always been one of my favorite drivers simply because he has this ability to make the most out of, you know, the smallest of chances. But before you move on, you actually missed out on Carlos Sainz Jr. <laughs> I know you're not, probably not on your favorites list, but I am pretty excited to see how his season goes because he's had a bit, you know, few iffy seasons in, in Formula One. He was let go by Red Bull to try for Renault. He was let go by Renault to make way for Daniel Ricciardo and now he's in McLaren. We know McLaren is struggling. We know Carlos Sainz, you know, is, is a good talent. We saw what he was capable of in Toro Rosso. I just hope he doesn't get beaten by Lando Norris. Yeah, and in his role as a senior driver to lead the team forward. Absolutely. Okay, now I'm going to talk about Perez. Yes, also so, senior driver, yes, also leading the team also forward. Also senior driver, also leading the team forward. Yeah, Kunal, last year was a very interesting season for Perez because he had Esteban Ocon sitting beside him who really pushed him to the limit, you know. And uh, things were quite, I would and say, And a little shaky. more, little a more. A little more, a little more into each other, maybe. <laughs> but things were quite shaky, I would say, in Force India. But now it's a new team, it's Racing Point. He has the uh, boss's son racing next to him in the form of Lance Stroll. <laughs> so if you're Sergio Perez, it's an interesting season, actually. But 
Yeah, Kunal, I think uh, Sergio Perez has been a driver who has just managed to uh, pop out the most unexpected results, show up on the podium when no one expected it. So I think he'll be looking to continue that streak. Yes, I just remembered Perez and Stroll are the only two drivers over the last three seasons who have scored a podium outside of the top three teams. So Racing Point, Force India actually have a very strong lineup, but I don't know what Stroll is going to be able to manage to do. We've seen him to be a slow learner, you know, and uh, at the very best, if he's able to match Perez, that's a good thing because given that his dad is literally building those cars or is paying to build those cars, I don't know how much can he come out and just keep blaming the car all the time because, you know, it's still his father's goods that he's driving. Which takes me on to your favorite driver, Kimi Raikkonen. Okay, I got this. Yeah, so Kimi Raikkonen. Firstly, I am so happy to see that he has found himself a worthy seat on the grid because uh, Alfa Romeo Racing is definitely a team to look out for this season. You know, the erstwhile Sauber team. And Kunal, I really feel that having moved on from Ferrari, this season Kimi Raikkonen is going to be racing for the sheer joy, the sheer love of racing. And we're going to see a very different Kimi Raikkonen out there on the grid. As long as he's, you know, funny on social media and still really quick on the car, I don't care how how different (laughs) he becomes. I'm just happy he's there, honestly. (laughs) Yes, this is exactly why we gave Sauber the Best Team of 2019 award in the Inside Line F1 Podcast Awards. Guys, so if you've not heard on to it, go to our channel and go back and tune in. We have had thousands of listeners write in and tell us how funny that episode was. So... We're not the only ones bragging about our content. You guys yeah. should should listen in. But moving on to Adrian Suttel, who's driving for Sauber. I mean, the Adrian Suttel lookalike, Antonio Giovinazzi. I know Mithila doesn't agree, but guys... I just, know, I was just shaking my head. I you know, saying. just take a closer look at Antonio Giovinazzi. He looks like Adrian Suttel. Irrespective, I think, Kunal, what uh, we're all going to be looking at is Antonio Giovinazzi has been literally waiting in the wings for the past two seasons. And this is his opportunity. You know, he finally has his break. He's going to be racing beside a former world champion and really excited to see what he can do because it's finally his moment in the spotlight. Yes, uh, the next driver is also a rookie, Alexander Albon. And, you know, he's the driver who chose to race in Formula 1 over Formula E. And I really hope he doesn't regret this decision. But having said that, Albon's been pretty impressive in pre-season testing. Okay? I know he's had a few uh, off-track moments and nose-crashing moments in the free practice sessions in Australia. But for Albon, if he is able to be in contention for Gasly's seat, in case Gasly can't deliver, and knowing how quick... You know, Red Bull can hire and fire a driver. You never know if Albon could be in a Red Bull racing car next season. So I really hope to see Albon doing well because it's it's lovely to see all these rookies step up. You know, the top three drivers of Formula 2 last year are in Formula 1. And it's it, it would be nice to see them take the battle to their more experienced teammates. Yeah. Speaking of take the battle, the next driver we have up, Danny Kivat. Kunal, the torpedo returns to the Formula 1 grid. And I'm wondering if Sebastian Vettel is going to be uh, wondering what's going to happen to him this season. (laughs) Yeah, but if there's any driver who's been more experienced with battles, it's Danny Kivat. You know, on track, off track, psychologically, mentally, all of that. And I'm really hoping he's able to have put all that aside and is able to deliver. Because he has actually said that, a re-promotion to Red Bull Racing could be on the cards if he delivers well. And 
I'd love to see him deliver well because that's the only way life would probably come a full circle for him. Yeah, I know there's that very cheesy quote, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think that's so true for Danny Kivat and he just needs nerves of absolute steel to go through this season and shine and show Red Bull Racing, you know, what they've been missing out on all these seasons. And if he does get promoted, he will actually end up partnering the driver who got him demoted or whose talent got him demoted. Strange are the ways of Formula 1 in life. Yes. Robert Kubica. Kunal, I have been waiting for this moment. I have been waiting for the day when we can finally see Kubica back on the grid, you know. Uh, he's been, you know, this fairy tale story of a comeback of a hero, a legend in the sport. And, you know, now is the time when all the superlatives end and we're actually going to see how he performs, how he can deliver, and that too in a car which is, uh, you know, the worst on the grid. Let me not mince any words there. Yeah, and if he's able to match, you know, George Russell, that's great in itself. If he's able to use his experience to beat George Russell, I think he's going to have a longer career in Formula 1. But I will not be surprised if Kubica bows down after maybe a year of racing and chooses Formula E, where probably the chances of him getting a more equal seat are higher. Yeah, and guys, George Russell was actually the Formula 2 champion last year. So, Kunal, it's a bit sad, right? Last year's champion and now in the slowest car on the grid, but again... But that's how it goes life. in Formula 1. Exactly. You know, just to be getting promoted into Formula 1 is a big deal in itself for last year's champion. But I must say, George Russell, look out for his words especially because... You know, he's going to turn out of the car and say, I'm doing my best. We've got the slowest car. It's my job to drive the slowest car to its fastest possible limits. You know, Robert Kubica is an experienced driver and he's my reference and I'm able to beat him. Basically, he's going to try and drive fast and then still absolve himself of all of Williams's difficulties. And I think that's a little fair, but still a little borderline kind of thing, especially in your rookie year. But guys, that's it from us when it comes to defining success metrics for every driver on the grid in Formula 1. I'm actually now going to start talking about one thing which I noticed, which, which was with Lewis Hamilton. He and Mercedes were booed at the launch event in Melbourne a few days ago. And guys, this is Formula 1. I mean, it's great to have all these rivalries, all these drivers, you know, entertain us and, you know, all... Everyone is risking so much. The last thing I should do, I think we should all do is boo anyone for being this good. Yeah, Kunal, it's just sad because Mercedes has done nothing but win, but put their best foot forward. And they do not deserve to be booed. Actually, no driver out there, no team out there working so goddamn hard deserves to be booed. And despite all this, Valtteri Bottas has said that Mercedes are actually the underdogs for... Uh, 2019. So I found that quite ironic. Yeah, but the only thing I disliked about Lewis Hamilton, you know, when he was asked about which is a smelliest corner at the Australian Grand Prix, he said turn 13 because it smelled like burgers and fries. Now, I know he's a Formula One driver, but guys, which of you actually do not like the way fries smell? Mm. I mean, fries <laughs> are tasty. They smell even more tasty. Lewis, what are you actually up to? I mean... <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo, the, the local favorite, has a new helmet. His helmet reads, play dirty, be fair. I really wonder if that's like an underhanded statement, probably targeted towards Red Bull Racing. Meanwhile, Racing Point says that they're going to bring upgrades at every race in 2019. Kunal, that's very interesting. The midfield battle is anyway so tight. 
And statements like that, you know, they really do give them the edge over their rivals, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, new new investors, new money, it's good they're putting it, you know, where it should go. Of course, apart from getting themselves a new motorhome like they were talking of. But uh, I must also remind Lance Stroll, you know, he was the first driver of the season to receive a fine uh, for speeding in the pit lane. Dear Lance, please remember your speeding should be left for outside of the pit lane. These kind of fines are actually not good use of the investors' new money that's been pumped into the team. I'm just happy he's speeding, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) But Kural, you know, come to think of it, Formula One should really use the midfield as a model to build uh, the Formula One model for 2021. What do you think? Yes. I mean, I don't know who's going to be fast, uh, you know, in you know, in China or in Bahrain or for, for that matter. Just the very fact that the midfield is so competitive is what makes Formula 1.5 more interesting than Formula 1, I would say. And uh, I'm also going to talk of Danny Kivat. I just remembered he had a drinks bottle problem in one of the free practice sessions. Is this Red Bull racing already giving him like subtle warnings by not giving him Red Bull to drink while he's in the car? <laughs> Perform or we will dehydrate you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Kunal, what do you think about Honda? Because they said they had some minor issues from testing, but um, they've been looking promising, I would say, in uh, qualifying. Yes. I mean, hats off to Max Verstappen for putting that car between the two Ferraris. I'm really excited to see how the verstappen Leclerc rivalry shapes up through the season. And it's already getting started in Australia. And in Australia, you never know if Max Verstappen is able to get Honda their first podium after their return into Formula 1. I mean, you know, pretty much the first race of Red Bull Racing Honda, he's put them in a chance of getting a podium. Right. Since we're talking about all the teams, Chase Carey has turned around and said that he is optimistic about new teams joining Formula 1. Now, the most optimistic response to this was from Christian Horner. He said that new teams would mean just more cars for Red Bull Racing to lap. Hilarious. I I love his spirit. (laughs) I just find it stupid. I mean, what is this sort of entitlement? Look (laughs) at Williams. Look at McLaren. They're great examples of why Red Bull Racing shouldn't take their competitiveness for granted. That's where I'm going to leave it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to talk about Bernie Ecclestone because uh, he turned around and he's given an interview preseason, which was very interesting. He said that Lewis Hamilton is the best to promote Formula One. But he makes the promotions all about himself. And I think that's fine because Hamilton is definitely bringing in more audiences, newer audiences to Formula One. And tell you what, Toto Wolff said that Mercedes were probably busy and didn't want to get unnecessarily distracted by the Netflix show. But Lewis Hamilton, of all the drivers, would have loved to be on that show. He also said that McLaren needs a new team boss. And I wonder how Zach Brown is actually reacting to that statement. McLaren has, you know, been toying with a lot of management changes. Let's really hope they are able to find the stability at the management level and with their cars. Uh, Mercedes, in fact, uh, could just end up leaving Formula One after 2020, basically after winning everything in the hybrid turbo era and turn out to be a supplier. This is, of course, Bernie Ecclestone's views. Yeah, at least then Ferrari can finally win. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, Red Bull Racing issued a quit threat as well. I'm not surprised because, you know, the top three teams, two of them leave. I don't know what Ferrari are going to eventually end up doing. They'll still be in Formula One just for the money. But why not? Yeah. And Bernie Ecclestone said that Vettel will win with Ferrari in 2019. But Hamilton is his favorite. 
Yeah, I think personally, and I've been saying it in lots of forums, including my blog and on the podcast before, I believe this year's titles are going to be split. Ferrari are going to win the Constructors' Championship. Mercedes are going to get the Drivers' Championship, which means, of course, Lewis Hamilton. But that's my view. Bernie also thinks that Alonso could return to Ferrari in 2020. Now, that would be quite a comeback. That would be a comeback and that would probably or could probably happen if Vettel loses the 2019 championship again after being in a winning situation or in a winning position. That would be my reading. But my favorite part of Bernie Ecclestone's interview was when he said that, who actually cares about saving gasoline? I can't believe he said that. (laughs) And I'm sure that the one sport he's not going to invest into is Formula E. I think not. And guys, it's time for my What Wolf Said This Week section. And uh, it was actually very interesting because Wolf said that Daniel Ricciardo was considered for the 2019 seat at Mercedes. I'm not surprised because Daniel Ricciardo in 2018, especially when seat discussions would have happened, was really, really amazing in an amazing you know, form of his life. Yeah. Speaking of amazing form, I think that was, uh, you know, Mercedes out there in qualifying uh, today in Australia. Kunal, we'd all been uh, keeping our eyes peeled, really, just to see what happens, because qualifying is the first time we actually get a glimpse of what the 2019 teams are, uh, cars are capable of. And Mercedes actually had a very uh, comfortable start to their bid. Very comfortable, so much that they were surprised. But I wasn't because I did know that Mercedes would, you know, turn up the wake and deliver all the performance when it mattered the most. And when what matters the most is actually what happens during the race, Kunal. And you had some interesting statistics you were telling me about. Yes, you know, we've been working with iBet to come out with some interesting statistics about race and predictions and stuff like that. Now, now we all know that the winner from pole position is just 20%, which means that out of the last five races, only one time the winner came from pole position. And the chances are also high that the safety car will make an appearance, 80% odds. Uh, The pit stop delta is 23 seconds under normal conditions and 8 seconds under the safety car or virtual safety car. It turns out that the two-stopper is faster than the one-stopper, but I still believe that it'll be a one-stopping race, especially because there will be a certain period of time when, you know, there'll be an incident on track or a safety car or a virtual safety car that will sort of help pull, uh, you know, tire life little more than normal. So I'd probably go for a one-stopper race, at least in terms of predictions. Great. Guys, so Australia is traditionally always the first race on the calendar. It's one of our most eagerly awaited and most favorite races, I would say. Uh, So we have with us Lucien with his moments in time section. He's going to tell us all about the history and, you know, just the, the awesomeness of the Australian Grand Prix. So guys, tune in. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield from South Australia. There was a time that the Australian Grand Prix was held in my backyard here in Adelaide and it was the final round of the championship, meaning we would often see a recently newly crowned world champion for the first time, or, as on two lucky occasions, we would have the championship decided here, how lucky we were. Thinking back to just a few memories, who can forget Nigel Mansell sitting pretty in 86, in third place, title within reach, and then boom, that tyre failure. What about 89, that crazy wet race, when Murray Walker called, spin, 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 when Senna went round and round, eventually, like Jaws, eating up Martin Brundle's Brabham. 
And it was Nakajima who got fastest lap that day, and in doing so, became a legend. What about Nelson Piquet winning in Benetton, but nearly having an on-track crash with Mansell in the Ferrari? And then we had the Schumacher and Hill clash of 94, where Shuey said, I turned in and there was Damon. Hmm, he also claimed broken steering. Yeah, right I mate. Overall, Adelaide provided the closing curtain on a season and we were lucky enough to see final drives and wins from many drivers. We saw the last races of notables like Keki Rosberg, Nicky Lauda, Nelson Piquet, but we were the luckiest audience in the world ever to see Senna and Prost fight for the last time and finish a race for the last time, finishing first and second in 93, which turned out to be both of these legends final podiums in a Grand Prix. Who knew Senna had his last win here and his last ever finish? And so did Mansell and Keki Rosberg. One thing no one ever seems to talk about is that Gerhard Berger won the final race for the mighty McLaren-Honda partnership in 92. Ironic given that it is Senna and his name that is most synonymous with the Marlborough McLaren-Honda package. So to Melbourne. For the majority of the races held there, they have hosted the first round of the championship, meaning Australian fans have been treated to the first races of many drivers like Jensen Button, Jacques Villeneuve, Kimi Raikkonen, Juan Pablo Montoya, Fernando Alonso and even Lewis Hamilton. Some memories that come to mind instantly are Jacques Villeneuve getting pole in his first race but coming second to Hill after sustaining some damage and an oil leak towards the end of the race. Mika Hakkinen, David Coulthard and McLaren caused a furore when in 98 they orchestrated the finish despite a mistake from Mika and it was the bookies and the many who had placed bets on DC to win that day that kicked up a stink. We have seen some amazing first corner pileups too and many with Felipe Massa who seemed destined for a big one every time he raced there but 97 was a great one with Irvine, Herbert and Villeneuve all getting caught up. But the mother and father of them all was seeing Ralph Schumacher go flying at the first corner in 2002 after trying to climb Barrichello. Melbourne has seen some first-time winners too. Eddie Irvine in 99 for Ferrari and what a popular win that was with the many expats cheering madly in the crowd. Interestingly, David Coulthard had his first McLaren win in 97 and his final career win in 2003. Giancarlo Fisichella won in 2005 on his sort-of return debut for Renault, and Kimi Raikkonen won on his Ferrari debut in 2007. And while not a win, who can forget the awesome performance of Lewis Hamilton the same year? My goodness, we knew we were witnessing a great. Sadly, there was a death in 2001 when Ralph Schumacher ran into the back of Jacques Villeneuve, and a tyre that shouldn't have fit in a gap at a Marshall post somehow, with inertia, forced its way into the gap and collected the helpless Graham Beveridge. It angers me that Formula One brags that there has not been a death since Senna until Jules Bianchi, because there have been two marshals that I can recall killed in Formula One races, the other being at Monza in 2000 when Paolo Ghislimberti was struck by a flying wheel. Anyway, in recent times, of the current drivers racing this Sunday, Sebastian Vettel has won three times, Lewis Hamilton and Kimi Raikkonen both winning twice. And that is it, because Fernando Alonso, Jensen Button and Nico Rosberg, all winners here, are now retired. So, will we see a new winner? Chances are Sebastian Vettel will win again, given Ferrari's form in testing, 
But Charles Leclerc on debut could spring a surprise. I would not write off Mercedes. I think with Lewis and that team, the slight deficit they appear to have can be sorted. Will Mad Max and the Red Bull Racing Honda be any good? And will Daniel Ricciardo finally get his first podium, technically at least, here on Australian soil, on debut for Renault? We can only hope. Australians have not done well here in general, Weber always found trouble, and Danny Rick got stripped of his first ever career podium in 2014. Come on, honey badger. Anyway, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line. Catch you later from Australia. Australia. <laughs> you know, I think Lucin can be a bit biased about the Australian Grand Prix. Because he is from Australia. He's a super fan from Australia. But about all of that, anyway, he's also a musician. And, you know, the opening and closing tunes that you guys listen to every week on our podcast are composed by Lucian. And you guys can go and listen to his music on Bandcamp. But for now, we are going to call it a close on this weekend's episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. We will be back after the Australian Grand Prix with, you know, a race discussion and like always, a lot, lot more. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Enjoy the race. Also, you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.